me. I'm a little bit tired, to be honest with you. I was in the car for six hours today, driving back from uh, Milwaukee. But um, I'm going to do what I can. I want to say something else. Didn't plan on saying this, but I can see in your eyes and look on the crowd tonight, a lot of you are itching to rush up on me at the pizza party and say, Matt, you know, what a year it's been. We just want to collectively come around you and say thank you for the way that you've been able to have this skill in detail retention and community organizing and keeping the whole thing afloat. Where would we be without you? We'd be completely lost is the answer. I want to stop you right now. And I want to say that without Debbie Manning and her leadership in this space, without Debbie Manning and her consistent desire and commitment to cultivating community in a stretch of isolation, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. So thank you, Debbie. I am, uh, I don't want to do that much longer because, are you emotional tonight? Yeah, it feels that way a little bit. You know, I mean, it is, it is one of those things where we just pause for a moment and we look at new people coming into the family, we think about where we've been, we think about where we are. Amidst all that has been heavy and hard, we're still here. Like we're still kicking. We're still doing it. I actually thought about this last night. I want to show you a clip in a second. I was at this wedding last night next to the, um, the Pfizer Forum in downtown Milwaukee. And apparently, in other cities and states, they have these things sometimes called a playoff game. I don't know what it is. I'm not completely familiar, but I was getting caught up to speed where at the end of the season, some teams, they keep playing. Like the season doesn't stop. And so it's really fascinating. And again, I don't have my head fully around it, but at the reception, we were kind of overlooking the crowd at hand that was there to watch the Bucks and the Nets. And I just want to give you a, a glimpse into what I saw. Can you play that video, Patty? Yeah, that's sufficient. I think they get the point. It was 242 degrees outside. It was not a comfortable night. There was no like shade coverage whatsoever. Actually, truth be told, wasn't even that close of a game. And yet you have thousands of people who are standing in that baking sun out there, shouting their city name to a team that is 1,000 miles to the east that cannot hear them. But we all know, all of us who have been pent up and locked inside and kept away from other people, we know that they were shouting their city's name, not for that team, but for the people. It's a, a, a one-word way of saying the three-word saying, we're still here. After all that's come our way, we're still doing this thing. We're still showing up. And I, I want to just say that again and again because I want us to take note of that. We so quickly and easily and, and almost effortlessly can shift from one season to the next where we miss the fact that amidst all of the dying and the breaking and the losing and the slipping and all the things that have happened, you're still here. We're still here. We're still alive to see another day. We're still celebrating to see another day. We're still here. Things have changed to be sure. In a lot of the changes we did not choose, things are not the same as they once were. We still have some masks on our face, but we now we have a roof over our heads. We're not outside in those, those 
F5 tornadoes, where kids are rudely interrupting the service while they're being swept away by gale force winds never to be seen again. We return to the great indoors, as God has always intended it. And so a lot has changed, and a lot of the changes we did not choose, but I can't get past the fact that we are still here. And that's significant because a lot of people aren't. I was reading the numbers on the way back home today from Milwaukee, and around the world, three and a half million people have died from COVID-19. But not you. In our country, 594,000 people have died from COVID-19. But not you. In our county, 1,760 people have died from COVID-19. But not you. You're still here. You're still here. I'll take the point even a little bit further. I read this study on the way home today that talked about how 20% of the churches that started or were still going at the beginning of 2019 had come to an end by 2020. And yet collectively for us, there's been bumps and hurdles and a lot of limping as we kind of made that move from, to quote Hamilton, the room where it happened to the Zoom where it happened. Wasn't always easy to do. But look at us, we're still here. We're still doing church. We're still standing. And I don't want us to miss that. I guess I'm just going to be redundant about that point. That's literally the only thing I want to even say. I'm going to elaborate further because I can't stop talking, especially when I'm a little fatigued. I get a little bit more chatty. So you're going to want to play that music over me at some point, Patty. But I just don't want us to miss, miss all the loss, the life that still emerged. I mean, I was thinking about this past weekend where amidst all of the loss, people were still getting married. Keon was still doing booty drops in the dance floor in the middle of the wedding. Keon, do you want to stand up and give us a demonstration of what I'm talking about? Or maybe we'll save that for the pizza party afterwards. I had two baby nephews that were born in the past three weeks. I've been sober now for almost three months. Thank you. My wife and I, I'm learning how to love my wife more intentionally, more consistently. I'm learning how to be loved by my wife more intentionally, more consistently. It, it's like there's a lot of things that have gone against us, but there's a lot of, to quote Jurassic Park, life has still found a way, right? <laughs> Amidst the loss, there still is life. Friday came, and, and Friday will come again. And we need to make sure that on those Saturdays in between that we are mourning and that we are naming and that we are doing the proper work of grief that is required of us. But come Sunday... We need to rise in the dark, roll up our sleeves, roll away the stone because Sundays are for celebration and do not miss the weight of significance that is embedded in the reality that we are still here. That we have another chance to figure out what does it look like to be a church that moves away from content creation to something that is about community organizing. Something about creating a family that is linking arms and going out into the world for the sake of the common good and loving the neighbors, especially the least of these. What does that actually, we have another chance to do something like that because we're still here. And more than any point in my life, I am painfully and soberly aware of how true it is that life is absolutely a gift. And love really is the point. So I think the question I just want us to consider tonight is that I want us to be aware of the fact that we are here. And I also want to ask you, what do we hear? 
what's going on around us? What can you hear? There's a story in Acts 16. I'll spare you the bulk of the details, but Paul and Silas, they're stepping into town and they're confronting the economic powers that be. They're doing what Christians have done since the church first got started where the ethics of compassion and character step into the marketplace where, where profits are prioritized over people and they have to make the choice. Either we compromise our character and go along with the crowd or we stand up and say, no, there's a better way to do so. They opt for the latter at the sake of the former and they're thrown inside of prison to do so. Now, when they're in prison, they're locked up. They're put in stocks. Actually, let me even add this. Prior to them going to prison, they're stripped naked in the city. Their honor is taken away. They are beaten. They are, um, they're treated horribly. So they limp their way into that prison cell where a jailer is looking over them and other prisoners. And they're locked up in this torturous way where there are stocks on their legs, twisted in a way that is, is, has no intent or purpose beyond just being cruel. And yet, at the darkest hour of their first night in jail, midnight, they start to sing to the Lord. They sing about the gift of being alive. How good it is, despite how hard this moment is, the fact that I have air in my lungs to live it, gift. So they express gratitude in the midst of the storm. And I'm not saying there's a causal effect, but in the middle of their hymn sing, another storm comes through, an earthquake. Patty, you can put up the text. I don't even know if I'm going to read it. Let me just give you the, 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 the general overview. An earthquake happens, which somebody told me recently, an earthquake is really just the earth's way of shaking off all the people because you're annoying, which was funny to me, but I will make sure I never say that out loud again because it's not funny to anybody else. Okay. In the midst of their hymn sing on their first night in the slammer, there's an earthquake that comes and the bars all fall away. The, the, the prison is completely crumbled. The, um, the doors fly open and the people get out. Everyone's chains come off. And so there's a prison break unfolding. And in the midst of that moment, there's a jailer who wakes up and he sees everything that has gone down. There's a jailer who's taken this job with the Romans for the sole purpose of trying to put some food on the table, trying to contribute to his society, trying to play a part, trying to provide for his family, trying to pay for his kids' sports. He wakes up, he survives. The text says that he woke up from the storm, but another way you could read it is that he survived the earthquake. And when he saw what was around him, and he saw the, the empty cells around him, he wasn't really sure if that was a good thing. And so he starts to pull out his sword. And he's, he's come to the conclusion that if, if this is what it looks like, then I don't want to look on much further. With all this loss around me that I'm surveying in this scene, I don't know that I want to see much more. And this is a challenge that is um, thousands of years old and couldn't be more incredibly relevant this invitation to consistently be living forward while you're haunted by a loss that's behind you. This invitation to get out of bed when you're not really sure why. This invitation to continue to cultivate a world when you're living with this massive wound. That's what this guy is going through right here. And I, I think about him because I, I, I think that's what Paul and, and Silas heard. You know, Paul and Silas, they also survived the storm. And in their first moments when they check on one another, they say, Silas, you good? Paul, you good? I don't know the conversation wasn't recorded in there, but something of that sort. They take note of the fact that they are still here, and then they lean in to hear who else is still here and who is in need of help. 
if we are here, if we're going to carry on from this quake and from this moment, then let's be benevolent about our business. If we are here, what is exactly in the air that we are to hear? They hear the sword being unstrapped from his belt and they say, what, Patty? They don't do it. Do not harm yourself because we are all here. Put the sword away because we are all here. So if you work backwards in that last bit of the text, it says the gospel. We are all here. Life is a gift. We are all still standing. Life is a gift. Do not harm yourself. Love is the point. We're all here. Life is a gift. Do not harm yourself. Life is the point. This is a moment of celebration to recognize the fact that the storm came and we're still standing. And it's also a moment of invitation to say, where in the world around us are people heading towards death that we need to insist, please don't harm yourself. Take life instead. What is missing that we need to add? Lauren and I, we went to this um, art gallery yesterday because we're so artsy, you know, we're just such connoisseurs of, we don't know what we're doing in there. And this guy, though, he um, used to be, the guy that runs the gallery, he uh, used to be a welder in the Navy shipyard, something of that sort. And he ended up being moved to Milwaukee. And when he got to Milwaukee, he's not an artist, doesn't do much art, but he said, where are all the beautiful places? Like, where are the galleries? Where are the places we can gaze and look for beauty and just be reminded that life is more than getting ends meet and, and paying bills and feeding babies? Like, where's... Where is a place where I can go beyond the tunnel vision of life into something more, something more? And they said, well, we don't have any art galleries here. And this guy who worked as a welder for the Navy in Milwaukee, he said when he heard that, he knew exactly what he was here to do. And he created this art gallery that's been standing now for 41 years. Because he recognized that I'm here, and he asked himself, what else in my hearing. And so just to close right now, before Debbie leads us in the words of institution, I'm going to play a song by the world's greatest band, Yam House. They're going to show you some clips from the past year. And I want you to think about it as you take this in, the gift that is life and the reminder that love is ultimately the point of it all. Can you play that video?
fair to say that there wasn't a one of us in this room that um, wasn't clinging to the light at some moment or moments during this past year and a handful of months. It's been hard. But Matt's right. Here we stand. Here we stand and life is a gift. And it is, I know Matt said we'll say it a million times, but it is, I can't even tell you what it's like to look out and see you guys standing here. I can't tell you what it's like to come up here and not hear Christian's words saying, stand right there in the middle of that cross so that we can get you in the film, just like in the window of the camera, just like that. But we're here in person, and it is a gift to be here together. One of the things that we tried to continue to do, whether it was from my living room or outside or just filming in here, was this rhythm of taking communion together. It looked different didn't quite feel the same. It won't quite look the same as we used to do it, but we are here together doing it. And we're clinging to the light that we know in the person of Jesus Christ. The night before Jesus died, he sat at a table with all his people, and he took bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. And he took the cup and he poured wine into the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you when you drink from this cup. Remember me. And so that's what we do. We take the bread and we dip it in the cup. And more than ever tonight, I remember 
how important it is to hang on to the light. I remember how good it is to be together, that we're still here. I remember that life is a gift. And I'm so grateful that we get to do that together. So you all can take your bread or your wafer and hear these words. The body of Christ broken for you. As you take that little cup and you bring it to your lips, you can remember these words, the blood of Christ shed for you. And now together, let's stand. And together in one room, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can be seated. Oh no, keep standing. We'll worship together.